One of our favorite companies to work with is called Types and Symbols. A design company based out of Michigan, their mission is to repackage the message of Christ in the most beautiful and attractive way possible. With that, they are gearing up for the third printing of the best set of books I've personally ever owned. This five book collection is called The Conflict Beautiful. And the only real conflict here is whether you should buy it now or wait until the end of this episode. These five books, along with the Word of God, can completely change your understanding of God, of yourself, and of why we're even here. We like asking why. So why wait? Visit theconflictbeautiful.com now, and you can save $30 if you pre-order before June 4th. So what that tells us is that what he was healed of, right, was the shame, was the, his perception of God was changed. His relationship with God was restored. He realized he was not cursed. I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That, a show that explores the motivations of biblical characters and how their choices can guide yours. I remember right after we released our very first episode, the one on Job, Why Do Good People Suffer?, We got a message from a disgruntled listener who claimed myself and Dr. Carl Wilcox were simply not qualified enough to talk on the subject. Interestingly enough, not only did I have enough suffering to lean on, but Dr. Carl Wilcox had a literal PhD and has written numerous published papers on the prologue and epilogue of Job. All this to say, this episode's guest is more than qualified to speak on the topic. Not only is she a licensed clinical psychologist currently practicing in Northern California, but having just got married a few months ago herself, she's more than acquainted with what love looks like. Katie Cruz joins me at the table to share one of the most touching stories in scripture, the story of Mephibosheth. Now, without wanting to give too much away, Mephibosheth is the son of Jonathan, David's bestie and former King Saul's grandson. Saul has fallen, Jonathan is dead, David has claimed the throne just as God said he would, and Mephibosheth is nowhere to be found. But just like most people who are often nowhere, with a little effort, you can find them. Now, this is super interesting. I think oftentimes we read God's word and we're just like, okay, and keep on reading. But when you dig a little deeper, you realize this is very odd. Mm. And this is very odd for two main reasons. One, David here is a king, right? And he's looking for someone in the house of Saul, who is the prior king, right? And at that time, culturally, the kings would go into their you know, their role as king, and they would annihilate the prior dynasty. Right. right. 
um, out of fear, out of demonstration of their rulership. Mm-hmm. And yet David's doing the opposite. He's like, not I'm looking for somebody mm-hmm. um, to show them kindness. So that's the first reason why it's odd. The second reason, it says there's left in the house of Saul. When you read the Bible, you start drawing all these connections. And what do we know about David and Saul and their relationship? Yeah, weren't exactly the best of friends. <laughs> Not at all, right? Saul tried to kill him. Mm. Now we do see that it says for Jonathan's sake, right? The son mm. of King Saul, and they were really close. Right. But still there's this relationship between Uh, Saul and David that was not good, Mm -hmm. and yet he's still wanting to show kindness to um, anyone, right, left in the house of King Saul. Yeah, and and what's what's kind of crazy about this is there there is no obligation. You Mm -hmm. know, this is not something that he has to do. Um, And I think it really speaks to where he is. You know, he's king. He's reached the pinnacle. He is fulfilled what Samuel said would happen so many years ago. Probably didn't think it would go down the way it did. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's at this point where, as you kind of alluded to, most will just sit back. They've made it. They have everyone else that can do whatever they want to do. And yet there is this severe intentionality of looking for someone that he can be a blessing to, even if that person doesn't really deserve it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you're kind of painting this picture Mm -hmm. of him reaching his pinnacle, I kind of had this mental image of him just relaxing on this big throne. Mm -hmm. And to me also, there's an element of when you reach a certain place of authority, you're also very busy. Mm -hmm. So Busyness alone can get in the way of us being blessing to right. other people. It's like, oh, okay, I'm not thinking, I'm not taking a moment, pause and think, mm-hmm. who can I reach out to that's the lowest of the low, mm-hmm. right? So it's amazing to see in so many different points that David is being very intentional. And I think this reveals who he is because I've found um, in reading the scripture, but also just kind of in life, that you get to see a lot of who people really are when they are in these positions, True. when they have everything at their fingertips and whatever their thoughts are can just be reality. They have that kind of power. Mm-hmm. And so I said, I think it, it says a lot about him mm-hmm. that in ascending to the throne, his mind, like, like his heart is being shown here. Mm-hmm. And we can see that this man really cares. And that man genuinely touched his heart, mm-hmm. their relationship, their friendship. Their bromance was was real, and yeah. um, I just love that he's he's seeking him out because Jonathan will never know. Mm-hmm. True, you know? that's and, a really good point. Jonathan is dead at this right. point. Yeah, he's never going to know that David did this, and so David is is not even doing it for that purpose. It's not for recognition. It's not so that people talk of him as a better king. Mm-hmm. It's because that's who he is. Yeah. And in the greater context in chapter seven of this book, mm-hmm. um, David is overwhelmed with God's goodness to him. His kingdom actually is expanded tenfold. Mm-hmm. And so we're entering into this chapter realizing David's at a point of, I have been so overwhelmed with God's goodness. I want to extend that to someone else. Right. 
And I know that I've experienced that, yeah. right? Just when you're so, you're like bubbling over with excitement, you want mm-hmm. to share with somebody, you want yeah. to reach somebody else. It's, it's, it's the disciples in Acts when they're going around and they're saying, how can we not share? Mm-hmm. How are we meant to keep silent? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I love that because it's so genuine. Mm-hmm. You know, it, this is, this, there's, there's no real gain Mm-hmm. For David in this act, it's it's selfless kindness, and I don't know if anything can pinpoint Christianity more than selfless kindness. Mm, that's so true, and that word there, kindness, in the original kased, it's not even well translated. It goes beyond mm-hmm. kindness. Mm-hmm. Um, some people say it's loving kindness. It's mm-hmm. like this love with kindness and this deep commitment. Mm-hmm. So. English doesn't do it justice in saying, oh, he just wants to be kind to him. No, no, no. There's this commitment and desire, deep desire to show this love. Isn't it funny how when we recall the heights of David's life, we talk about the Goliaths, we talk about Saul's demise, we talk about Psalm 51 and him being a man after God's own heart. But what shows the heart of God more clearly than unnecessarily seeking out someone to love? That's David. When he could just be chilling on his throne, he's out there. He himself is actually out there looking to show someone what God's love looks like, what it feels like. The several verses afterwards, you can see this ongoing intention yeah. of looking for this. He, this person, he goes and finds a servant and he asks them questions. And um, later on, the verse I want to highlight um, is, let's see here, verse four, where it says um, that the servant he's talking to, he says, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is in the house of Makir, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar, which gives us more information about this individual. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, we often read these things very superficially, but Lodabar means land of nothing. Wow. So David is really searching, right? It's kind of searching the corners of the earth to find this individual, even mm. going to the land of nothing. Mm. That's crazy, because as you were saying that, what just popped into my mind was this is really God's search for the sinner. Mm-hmm. You know, he's in this, he's on this throne. Mm-hmm. And there's someone out there that isn't really deserving of his kindness and isn't, you know, supporting his reign as as king, mm-hmm. creator. And and he goes to the land of nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, he goes to the land of sin, seeks him out. He's like, I, I want to be a blessing to you. Yes, yes. Now, I want to switch a little bit and now focusing on this person he's searching for. Mm-hmm. So the verses that have been covered so far. We're focusing on King David and what he's doing. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting is as he's searching, a lot of description is given of this person, but not their name quite yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just to highlight a couple of things of how he's described, um, we see that in verse three, he says, there still is a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. Mm -hmm. Not his name. Right but a description. And I don't know about you, but for me, I wouldn't like to be referred to in this way. 100%, yeah. It's sad that you would be identified by your lameness, a disability, yeah. And what we know about the original word for lameness there as well, it means smitten by God. 
it's referring to his condition as a result of, oh, you're cursed by God. So, oh, you're looking for this person. Oh, there's this one person here and not his name, his condition, mm. smitten and cursed by God. Which he obviously knows, mm -hmm. which that can do a lot for a person, you know, to feel like obviously he, his, the hand that he's been dealt hasn't mm. been favorable in that he's, he's now, you know, the grandson of this disgraced king. Mm -hmm. um, and Israel, in a sense, has already kind of turned against Saul yeah. by this point. So he's already an outcast. Mm -hmm. That's True. hard enough to deal with, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, no, not only are, are you an outcast and not only do you, your own people hate you, mm. but you're, you're cursed of the Lord, mm -hmm. you know, and, and your disability is not just a physical one. It's a spiritual one. Yeah which we know of that culture was mm -hmm. very linked, right? right? Yeah. Now, if you read chapters earlier in chapter four, you hear the story of how he's mm -hmm. lame. His nurse being afraid of King David mm -hmm. drops him and he becomes lame. So it's interesting that his condition is a result of fear of King David, yeah. not knowing truly who King David is. Mm -hmm. And years later, we don't know exactly how many years later, right. King David is searching for him, not to kill him, but to show him loving kindness. Yeah. Yeah. So what we know about this individual so far, lame, uh, smitten by God, cursed by God, as viewed it in that way. Mm -hmm. And then later on, it describes, as we read, that he's in the house of Makir, meaning he's not Lord of his own home, right? Mm -hmm. It's a low status. He's we don't know if he's a servant in that home, but he's living in that home. He's poor. Right. He's in the land of nothing. So we see kind of shame, poor, cursed by God, and still nameless. Mm -hmm. We don't even know who he is. Right. Now, when we do finally know his name, it's in verse 6. You want mm -hmm. to read that for yeah. us? It says, Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold thy servant. Now that's a, a name we don't hear too often. Yeah. Right? It's not one that we hear sermons about mm -hmm. or even episodes, podcast episodes about. Um, and the original word or description, right? We know that in the Bible times, names were not just names. They didn't right. just sound nice. Mm -hmm. They were descriptions. And so Mephibosheth means dispeller of shame. Mm. So it's not looking too nice for this guy, right. right? He's poor, he's lame, he's cursed by God, he's in the land of nothing. And finally, when we do get his name, his name means dispeller of shame. You can almost see why they weren't saying his name in the first place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's, I think it says a lot, you know, that he he could stand up in defiance against the king mm. um this is david who i would assume if you are aligned with saul and his people um, or his former people at least that you've seen this as someone that has undeservedly come in and taken the throne because mm. he wasn't of saul's line mm -hmm. you know and, and saul was chosen by god and so this is more than an opportunity to to stand against him mm -hmm. i mean obviously in these in those times that would mean losing your life. Yes. Um, but he's humble. Mm -hmm. He falls down before him, you know, in reverence. He, mm -hmm. he says, behold, I'm, I'm your servant. Mm -hmm. And he says, don't be afraid. Mm -hmm. And I love that he 
his first thought again is just to immediately disarm him mm-hmm. and be like, no, 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 I'm not here to punish you or to to completely wipe out Saul's line. I've come here for a completely different purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, you were talking about reverence. Mm-hmm. As we continue to read, it almost, you get a sense that it's not just reverence. It's also because he views himself mm-hmm. as nothing. Right. So there's an element of, yeah, I might be humble in the presence of authority and a king, but even maybe if it was someone else, he might be so filled with shame mm-hmm. that, you know, who am I to even stand in your presence, right? Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, so, so this is one of my, um, my pet peeves mm-hmm. is false humility. Mm-hmm. That just, yes. that irks I me. agree with you. You know, when people come and, and they start to, venerate people and you're like what are you doing mm. or they'll they'll put themselves down when they've done something good mm-hmm. as a way to say no i don't want the attention which is really just a cry for attention mm. um but i think this is genuine yeah like he actually sees himself as lesser than mm-hmm. you know yeah. on on so many fronts mm-hmm. he's undeserving of the king's presence mm-hmm. yeah so we see he fell on his face prostrated himself here is your servant and then we see that happening again later on Mm -hmm. Um, but let's go to verse 7 which you already started to allude to Mm -hmm. david's response to him right david said to him do not fear for i will surely show you kindness for jonathan your father's sake and you and will restore to you all the land of saul your grandfather and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Mm. There's so much goodness in that verse. The first one, as you mentioned, do not fear, Mm -hmm. right? He can sense it, right? And as you alluded to, he's trying to teach him who he is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I love that he mentioned Saul Mm -hmm. because, you know, the the start of the chapter says he's doing this for Jonathan's sake. Mm -hmm. It's his friendship with Jonathan that's, that's, and his, and the fact that his heart is truly God's that's making him do this. And so he could easily come in I will show you um, kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Mm-hmm. But he he references Saul, mm-hmm. which for me is another way of of coming to this broken man and telling him, not only do you, have, do you not have to be afraid of me, but you don't even have to be ashamed mm-hmm. of where you've come from. I know yeah. you've come from Jonathan, and Jonathan is still, you know, highly exalted in that sense, but I'll still recognize your grandfather and still mm-hmm. recognize that, that you came from there and and still won't treat you any differently. Mm. I love that. Yes, because it's so easy to say, oh, let's not talk about that. Or like that part of my testimony, like I don't want to share that part. Versus let's talk about that. Let's mm-hmm. recognize it mm-hmm. and still show you that loving kindness. Right. And this is actually the third time that that word kased, loving kindness is used. Mm-hmm. Um, So you can see that David keeps on referring back to it of like, this is the loving kindness of God Mm. that I'm extending to you. Not because you deserve it, not because of your lineage or who you are, but because of who God is. Yeah, and not even because I'm a good person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Then it continues, right? Um, We'll restore to you. And so he's telling, you know, what that loving kindness looks like, Mm. right? Because we could sometimes have lip service. Right. Um, Praying for you. Yes, exactly. 
but what does that look like practically, right? What am I gonna do to actually help this person? It's kind of mm -hmm. like what James talks about, right? It's right. like, okay, you may say those things, but what are you actually doing? Mm -hmm. And so he tells him, right? I'm gonna restore to you, not just some of the land, all the land of Saul, which right. is a lot. Yeah. He was a king, right? And again, he, he didn't need to do this. Mm -hmm. um, but what I love next is that's kind of still impersonal, right? Sure. It's like, I can give you something. And as a king, I have a lot of land. Mm. So that's not really a big dent in his, sure. you know, what, what he has and owns. And it says, and you shall eat bread at my table continually, which is a bit odd. Right. Right. I don't speak like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, Dean, can you come and eat bread at my table continually? Right. <laughs> like, what does that really mean? What does that mean for us today? Yeah. So thinking about just eating for a moment, mm -hmm. right? Um, especially our generation, we love to hang out by eating. Right. Why? Mm, I think, I think, and I, this is how I justify it. <laughs> I think it's biblical. <laughs> like when you see Jesus, you know, hanging out with his disciples, a lot of the time when they were having those serious conversations um, that didn't involve him standing up and preaching, they were sitting down and breaking bread together mm -hmm. and, um, and they were literally together you know mm -hmm. i feel like they're eating together it it calms people it disarms them it makes mm -hmm. them feel like they're one mm -hmm. you know and it's a promise that that will do that in the kingdom yes you know we're going to sit at god's table and eat with him so it's mm -hmm. important to him yes one of the things i love the most of when you visualize this what mm. this looks like when you think about mephibosheth being lame mm. right and king david being you know king and right. having this authority is when you're at a table, you're eye to eye, right? We're at mm. a table right now. We're eye to eye. I don't know if you're shorter or taller than me, right? Mm. We're eye to eye. Yeah. We're at the same place. Equals. Equals. And not only equals, but having this intimate experience, mm. right? Conversation, food. Right. We're sharing an experience. So from like a brain standpoint, when you share an experience, your similar neurons are firing in your brain. Mm. And so you share that experience in a way that your brains are rewired in a way that connects only the two of you, mm -hmm. right? And so David is saying, I want to have an intimate relationship with you. That's uh -huh. what he's saying. He's not just saying, hey, I'm gonna give you food. Right. It's like, no, you're gonna eat at my table and continually, right? This is not just a, hey, let's hang out maybe once or twice, make mm -hmm. sure I did my good deed and right. then that's it. It's, no, I wanna have a relationship with you. Which is crazy because you would imagine that had Saul stayed in power, this would have been his place anyways. Mm, yes. You know, he would have sat at his father's house. Mm -hmm. And one day, his grandfather's house, and eventually his father's house because Jonathan would become king. And then eventually, so would he. Mm -hmm. You know, that was probably his path. And now he'll be sitting at David's table. He gets to live an aspect of the life that he probably thinks he should have had. Mm -hmm. And and he should have. Right. And now he gets that. You know, he gets to, to feel, I think, like he belongs. Mm -hmm. You know, because if the king invites you, mm. you deserve to be there. Yeah. It kind of when you use the word belong, it made me think back to high school or mm. sometimes you watch clips of this, of that kid who takes his food or her food to the bathroom or something, mm -hmm. right? Because they don't feel like they belong. Right. Or they don't belong at the cool kid's table. Yeah, so they go to the corner. Or exactly. But 
this is the coolest person in the mm. kingdom, right? King David is saying, I want you to eat at my table. And I love that you said, you know, that's his rightful place. And I think mm -hmm. King David knows that because yeah. he uses the word restore. Yeah. Like, I want to restore to you land and position mm -hmm. at my table. Yeah. And we see this um, in throughout the rest of the chapter, he mm -hmm. repeats it three times. Eat at my table, eat at my table, eat bread, um, always. Mm. And then there's even one verse that says that he to eat at my table as a king's son, yeah. right? He's recognizing his position. So we see again, this persistence. Now let's look at how um, Mephibosheth responds to David. Right. So verse eight. Yeah, he says, what is thy servant that thou should look upon such a dead dog as I am? Mm. And we see that he bows again, right? Yeah. He's bowed again. He has this response. What's your first impression of that? I have mine. I I feel for him. Mm. You know, it's like, especially given his, that there's multiple facets to this. He, he has a disability, mm. physical one. He's, you know, what he's known as being cursed. Um, he is of the lineage of Saul, which has fallen. And... I think he genuinely sees himself as that. Mm. And that's that's tough. Yeah. You know, working with with young people, you know, teenagers, this is this is a common thing mm -hmm. where they feel like they're not good enough. Mm -hmm. You know? And and some of them don't even have a reason to feel like that. It almost yeah. just feels like it's something that's going around. Mm. You know, where there's just this sense of because I'm not like this person, mm -hmm. and because I can't do this, or I don't look like this, I'm lesser than. Mm -hmm. And I think that can be really crippling, mm -hmm. because David has actually offered him something genuine, yeah, something completely life-changing, and he's about to say no, mm -hmm. because he just doesn't think he deserves it. Yeah, yeah. Now, in the culture back then, I we... In our culture, we think about dogs as something, you know, wonderful, mm. right? There's so much, we treat dogs sometimes better than humans. Yeah. But back then, dogs were the low of the low. Some countries today, if you go to different foreign countries, mm. they do view dogs still in that yeah. way, um, especially there's a lot of stray dogs. And um, so it's the lowest of the low. There's similar kind of parallel verse to this in chapter 24 that likens it to a flea. Right. So that's kind of a something we can understand right. better, a, a nuisance, something unwanted. But then on top of that, a dead dog. Mm. It's something that I don't think we can even put to words. Maybe it's something more along the lines of worthless. Mm -hmm. Like I'm just worthless or not only worthless, but like what would be worse than that would be like a nuisance or something that's just causing so much um, disruption. Right. right? It's like, why are you talking to me, right? Why are you offering this? Why are you even just looking at me? Which is, you can tell he's experiencing so much shame, right? Mm -hmm. To look upon, it's like, I want to be hiding. I want to go back to the land of nothing. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to my place where nobody knew where I was. Right. How could you look upon me? Mm -hmm. That's so sad that he views himself in this way. How... I mean, you're a professional. How do you deal with that kind of thing when someone comes in and even when they're offered a way out, mm -hmm. they don't take it because they don't think they deserve it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really, really tough. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Right. And you, you can tell them so many times. And sometimes I'll tell my clients, I say, I'm going to tell you something. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to even register or you're even going to accept it, but I'm going right. to say it anyways. Yeah. And that's kind of what reflects David's persistence is mm-hmm. you continue and you continue, especially by actions, mm-hmm. right? When you really show that loving kindness. And so one of the things they say for therapy that's most healing is not just skills or interventions. It's the relationship, mm. the bond and the connection that you can love this person unconditionally, right. right? They tell you the worst of the worst and you don't judge them, mm. right? You love them. You understand them. You have compassion for what they do instead of judging. And then you do call them higher, right? right? You're not just saying, okay, I understand that's the way that you feel. No, it's, I see your worth mm. and I'm going to walk with you patiently until you see it for yourself. Mm. I like the I like I like what you're saying about making sure that it's not just lip service, mm-hmm. you know, because they can get that from anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difference between um, having a genuine relationship with someone that can help you, and like just watching a motivational video. Yes, you know, the video can be like, you know, you're the best, you've mm-hmm. got this, mm-hmm. and and that can be like, oh, actually, you know, maybe maybe I can, but mm-hmm. then what? Yeah. You know, whereas if there's a person in your life and for him, that's about to be David, Mm -hmm. then you don't even need to hear it so much. Mm -hmm. It's like I get to live it, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's it's one thing for him to say, yeah, yeah, let's 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 do this. But David's like genuinely serious. Mm -hmm. I want you to be blessed. And he's relentless. He's he's not going to stop until this person who is in every sense of the word broken Mm -hmm. can imagine that they can be restored again. Mm-hmm. And many times people want to believe it, mm. right? But it's so hard because they've never had an opportunity to be shown this before. Mm. And so in the patience and the persistence, we may not see it immediately, but it's it's a seed that's planted that grows over time. Right. So it's initially in this, um, even where we're at right now in the story, he doesn't believe it at all. Right? Mm-hmm. But as we continue on, we see that through his actions, through the persistence, he may even still not fully believe it, but he's starting to accept it more and more. Now, I love David's response to um, Mephibosheth's reference of himself as a dead dog. Mm-hmm. It says in verse nine, and the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, he completely ignores him. Yeah, He's like, I'm not even addressing that, right? It's not even worth, mm. and sometimes with my clients, I'll, I'll say that. I'm like, I already, I'm not going to even touch on that, right? Mm. You already know that it's wrong. Right. So let's not even go there. Mm-hmm. Let me just continue on with this path of showing you, not just telling you. So David's a psychologist. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> he is. I think we are all naturally psychologists, really, Mm. Um, especially as we allow God's love to flow out of us. When people ask me, what should I do to help my friend? When you are genuine about it, Mm. that's really what we need to do. But when we're so focused on doing or saying the right thing, we actually lose that connection with the spirit and with the ability to naturally be there for that person in a way that they need. That's funny because I've had those times where you know, sitting down with someone and they're just opening up and everything's coming out and you're like, oh my goodness. And, you know, it's just one thing after another and you're there. And I've sat there and thought, what do I say? What do I say? Mm-hmm. Like, Lord, 
give me the words. Like I need to encourage them. I need to, you know, I can't just be here, mm-hmm. just be silent and be like, mm, oh, that that's deep. Oh wow, yeah, that's so bad. <laughs> I'm like, come on, give me a verse or give mm. me give me something. And a lot of the time, nothing comes. Mm. And I've realized that it really is for the person. What's important is not so much what you have to say. Like like you're the healer. Yes. You know, it's that you're there. Yeah. And that you are available for them to unload. Mm-hmm. And usually by the end of it, without a word really being said, they already feel better. Mm-hmm. You know. It's the connection. Yeah. So David doesn't respond. He kind of ignores it, and then continues on in his path of let me show Mephibosheth his worth. Mm. Right. And he goes through all this, you know, arrangements with the servant, Ziba, to make sure that it happens. And what's interesting is it has these random details of how many sons and daughters Ziba has. And people think that's random, but it's basically describing Ziba's, um, his wealth, his status. And then Ziba becomes Mephibosheth's servant Mm. and all of his household. And that's amazing to see the actions of King David restoring Mephibosheth. And you see again in that verse at the bottom there, but Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. If you're reading along in your Bible with this story, I want you to take a pencil and right next to that verse, 2 Samuel 9, 7, I want you to write the word ministry because that's what ministry is. It's meeting people where they're at. It's helping them to see their worth and their value in the eyes of God. And it's sharing with them what God's love looks like in a way that only you can. We'll be right back after this short break. I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That. In fact, speaking of what love looks like, perhaps the greatest example is, of course, the Son of God laying down his life for sinful man. But then he uttered these words, Greater love hath no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his brother. God has called us to take up our positions and to use the lives he has given to us to spread the love of his everlasting gospel. And perhaps you're thinking now, well, I don't really understand what the everlasting gospel is. So how can I share it? If that's you, you'll be glad to know that Amazing Facts has just developed a brand new magazine focusing solely on the three angels' messages and the everlasting gospel. Now, Revelation can be a bit tricky to understand. Sometimes our particular callings can be too. So visit the Amazing Facts online bookstore now and pick up yourself a copy. We'll leave the link in the show notes. See you there. I used to think that school was a waste of time. Jesus is coming soon. Who has time or money for a degree? And then God called me to Weimar University. That's where I got my degree in theology. That's where I was inspired to start this podcast. And it's where I currently get to minister to over 60 young people at our on-campus high school. And it might be where God is calling you to. 
Whether it's theology, education, business, or pre-med or nursing, Weimar not only has the courses that will teach you all you need to know to be an effective medical missionary, but it has an environment that is designed to improve and solidify your walk with Jesus. Check it out now at weimar.edu. Mephibosheth's story gives us a picture of what it means to be truly restored. No doubt as a child he had dreams of the life he would live. Who wouldn't? But then he loses so much. His grandfather, his father, the royal bloodline taken from him by the Lord and given to a stranger. His health, his worth, his purpose. We all want, we all need restoration. And God wants to restore us too, albeit sometimes not in the way that we thought would be most obvious. So the story starts winding down, right? Mm -hmm. As David continues his actions, right? And things start falling into place. What we see in verse 11 um, onward, we see this description of Mephibosheth coming now to Jerusalem, mm-hmm. right? So that's wonderful. That's like, a f- you see the beginning of the story, he's in the land of nothing. He's hiding, he's poor, he's lame. And then we start seeing all these things being reversed, right? right. He's no longer poor. You know, he's living with the king. He's going to be eating at his, his table. He's now contrasting the land of nothing to the land of everything. Yeah. Jerusalem is a place to be. The land right? of the blessing. The land of the blessing, yes. Just recognizing that at this point in the story, everything is starting to be restored. Mm. Right? Mephibosheth's status, Mephibosheth's shame, and so forth. But there's one last thing, right? The lameness. Yeah. Right? Now, what we read in the last verse... I always encourage before we read something just to be completely open to our natural reactions to the text because mm-hmm. that can can help us then dig deeper like mm-hmm. versus just reading it. Be open to uh, examining your raw reaction. Yeah, yeah. So it says, Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. So what was your first reaction? Well, when I first read this, I read it again, Mm -hmm. um, just to be sure, (laughs) because as you said, it's moving towards like the ending that you always want to hear. Yes, the happily ever after. Exactly. It's like, oh, because you don't get many of those in the Bible. Mm -hmm. You know, things always happen. And it just seems like every victory is followed by a defeat. And you come and you think, all right, this is this is celebration time. He's been restored. Mm-hmm. Um, and naturally, you know, as you said, his status is changing. His home is changing. He's getting things back that he never thought he would. He's being restored. Mm. So, of course, his lameness is also going to be taken away mm-hmm. naturally. Mm-hmm. If he's going to receive healing, he's going to receive complete healing. Mm. And yet at the end... What's changed? Yeah. Now, 
when you said, you know, typically in the Bible, there's this pattern of, you know, there's victory, but then there's also defeat. And also, oftentimes, stories just continue. So mm -hmm. there's not this conclusive, happily ever after statement. Mm -hmm. But we get that in the story, mm -hmm. right? It's very clear. It's wrapping it up. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, right? And then he ate continually at the king's table. As promised. As promised. And it would have been great, right, if someone was, maybe if I was an editor, I would say, let's end the story there. Yeah. Right. But then there's this random detail. We think it's random. Mm. And he was lame in both his feet. So that is good for us to kind of question more. Why is that there? Mm. Right. Why is that detail there? Yeah. We often forget that the Bible, you know, so many different stories written across so many years, you have limited space. Mm -hmm. So there are no random details, yeah. right? If, if I had to write a book about my life, which is only 30 years, I would only include the most important details. Right. I'm not gonna just throw in some random things, mm -hmm. right? No fillers. I would have to be really concise. Yeah. And so that helps me as a Bible student to question why is it there? Mm -hmm. Now, when you dig deeper, you realize that the word lame, which kind of brings us back to the beginning of the story in verse 3, which is also mentioning that he was lame. In the original text in Hebrew, it's a different word. Okay. And so when you look at that, do you remember what the first lame meant? Um, cursed. Yes. Cursed by God, right? Yes, cursed by God. What's interesting is that the second one, so in the verse we just read in verse 13, is it does not mean cursed by God. Mm. It just means physically lame. Mm. So what that tells us is that what he was healed of, right, was the shame, mm. was the, his perception of God was changed. His relationship with God was restored. He mm. realized he was not cursed. Mm. His circumstances did not change. He was still physically lame. And we know that some of those things are only going to be healed, you know, at the coming of Jesus. Mm -hmm. We often ask God for something, but God gives us something else. And mm -hmm. sometimes you're like, but God, I'm still lame. Right. Well, God's like, hey, that shame and other things, the, the, the sense of being cursed by me, that weight that you've been carrying, you're no longer carrying. And I mean, which one would you rather? Mm -hmm. You know, would you rather have your legs back and still feel worthless? Mm -hmm. Or would you rather that God deals with the deeper issue mm -hmm. you know and makes you feel like you're someone again and yeah. that you're important to him you're important to to those who matter in your life mm -hmm. um the fact that he doesn't receive healing there are many people in the bible that do mm -hmm. and they they go on you know as mm -hmm. you said their story continues and, mm -hmm. and that's it he doesn't get it mm -hmm. but what he does have is he has a story that says even though i haven't been healed physically I know that there's a God in heaven because my heart has been touched, mm -hmm. you know? And if you can, I feel like if you can praise God, even with your physical hindrances, yeah. um, then in some ways that's an even more powerful testimony. Yes, I agree. It's like Paul, when he says, you know, I prayed three times that the thorn in my flesh may be taken from me yeah. and it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And God responds with my grace is sufficient. And then I love Paul's response. He's like, okay, then I'll boast with this infirmity then. Right. Right. That's a huge testimony. And yeah. that's often what I share with my clients. I'm like, 
you know, even in your struggles for you to praise God, mm. because I once heard this in a sermon and it's powerful. It's like, would you rather want the blessing or the one who blesses? Mm. Would you rather want the healing or the healer? And oftentimes, if we were honest about it, we actually do rather have the blessing or the healing. Yeah. And that's where we get mad at God or we push him away. Now, if we could get both, right, that, that's wonderful. Sure. But oftentimes we don't realize the worth in the healer and the relationship that we can have with him personally. Go on. Ask yourself that question. What do you really want more? The blessing or a relationship? A deeply intimate relationship with the one who can bless? Do you seek the healing more than the healer? It's so easy to base our relationship with God on all the gifts that we want him to give us, and then we ignore the greatest gift ever given, the Son of God himself. Mephibosheth has scars. Katie has scars. I have scars. We all do. And while they may not look the nicest, they serve a distinct purpose. You see, we live now without the physical pain of what caused them in the first place, and yet they always remind us of just what God has saved us from, what he has brought us through. They are reminders that though we have suffered, we have found the great healer. So we can take two main applications from this story. Mm -hmm. The first one, um, we can first look at King David, right? And we can think about his actions, right? His part in this story. And we realize that we also are King David, right? We have the responsibility when we are blessed by God to look for those that need God's blessings. Mm -hmm. Now, oftentimes, we look for people that are closest to us or that are easiest to be kind to, right? right? It's kind of like when Jesus mentioned, like, yeah, you can love your friends, mm -hmm. but how many of you love your enemies? Right. And King David shows us, it's an example to us, it's a challenge to us to look for th those that don't deserve mm -hmm. our loving kindness, that don't deserve, that are hiding and difficult to find and yet we're responsible of searching for them, being intentional about searching, asking, pursuing this effort of wanting to show God's kindness to others. Going into the land of nothing. Going into the land of nothing. Now, it is so easy for us to be busy. It's so easy for us to have excuses. King David could have had excuses, mm -hmm. right? And we try to hide behind those excuses. And I think, and. I'm so guilty of this at times too. I mean, I can hide behind it being my job, right? People who come to my office, but God calls us to something higher. He places upon us certain people, right? Maybe it's sometimes people that we haven't forgiven, right? That's maybe hurt us in some ways, right? King Saul hurt David. And so it's easy to say, oh, I don't have to, right? They've done something wrong to me. Right. But the story of King David shows us that we are called to something higher, regardless of the circumstance, regardless of his kingship, you know, the culture of that day, his relationship with King Saul. 
only because of God's loving kindness to us. Mm. That's the only requirement. The moment we receive that, which we all do receive, yeah. we, re- we are required to search. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the disciples. Mm. You know, when, when they had had these experiences with Jesus mm. and they were like, how can we not share? Mm. How can we keep silent? Mm. And it's just, it's impossible. Like physically, mm-hmm. they couldn't contain it. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's not something that you have to try and do. Mm. I don't think you have to, you know, muster up the courage yeah. to try and be a blessing. I think mm-hmm. if your heart has genuinely been touched, it's just the natural Mm-hmm. effect of that yeah let your light shine exactly. let it right and what i also love about you know him pursuing um pursuing mephibosheth is the idea that and we kind of alluded to it before it would be easy to just do something for him something brief something temporary we do this oftentimes of let's go and help the homeless you know one time and it makes us feel good. It's very selfish mm-hmm. at times. Maybe sometimes it's motivated by selflessness in the moment, but we lack the continual part, mm. the eat at my table always, continually. We lack intimacy with people. Mm-hmm. It's easy to post a quote, a Bible verse or other things, right? right. I'm doing my ministry. I'm, I'm helping in more superficial ways. We're often doing it from a place of our own comfort. Yeah, there's no sacrifice required. There's no sacrifice. And yet David shows no matter what status we are in, no matter where we're at in life, we can still um, have that sacrifice, right? And be intentional about searching in a way that maybe is not comfortable to us, but it is so needed for the other person. Right. So it's like for a moment, let's think about how much of a blessing it was for Mephibosheth. And we are robbing people of that blessing if we stay in our comfort zones. So then the second application is for us as Mephibosheth, right? And this is where I'm very passionate about this story. Um, Yes, of course, it's great to look at it from the perspective of what we can do as King David's. Mm -hmm. But many of us are struggling as Mephibosheth. Many of us struggle with shame. We hide in different ways. Maybe we're not literally in the land of nothing. Many of us hide in different ways. We hide behind our careers, overworking. We hide, really, a big way we hide is through addictions. We hide through the addiction of perfectionism, right? If people look at me in a certain way, but they don't know internally what's happening to me. They say sometimes, you know, how do you know someone's depressed? They're smiling. It's this idea that you don't really know, and we're really good at hiding. So Mephibosheth is hiding, and we can relate to that. We're hiding in different ways. And sometimes literally hiding in the sense of isolation, especially after, well, sort of after pandemic, I guess we're sort of still suffering from that. But the quarantines and the pandemic we have gotten used to isolation. It's okay to do it, right? And then social media has added another layer to that, that we are pretending like we're connecting, but we're actually hiding. We're hiding behind our posts. We're hiding behind even brief um, texts. We're no longer comfortable with talking in person. Mm -hmm. If a guy wants to ask a girl out, he'll text her. He won't ask her in person, right? We are hiding, you know, 
just all of us, right? Dean, you can think about for yourself, mm -hmm. which ways do I hide? I right. think about that for myself. Which ways am I hiding? And hiding for what purpose? Reminds me of Adam and Eve, right? Mm -hmm. That their shame of nakedness, right? Which we know is more than just the physical nakedness, yeah. led them to hide. So we hide from people, but we also hide from God. And the story of Mephibosheth shows us that he was hiding out of fear of King David, which means many times, similar to Adam and Eve, we are hiding from God because we don't truly know who God is. Mm. And really that's at the core of many of our spiritual struggles, yeah. is we don't really know who God is. We maybe know about him, we've learned about him through friends or family or culture, or religion, but we don't have an intimate relationship with God. If we really did, the rates of addiction would go down, right? Because then we would be drawing close to him instead of hiding behind the addiction. Right. So that motivates me when I'm struggling as Mephibosheth to come out of hiding, mm. right? What am I hiding behind? How do I come out of hiding? And most importantly, how do I heal that misperception of who God is? Because that's only truly what will help me overcome my shame. He that hath an ear, let him hear. And you've just heard our latest show. If you'd like to hear more or harken back to a previous episode, you can find us now at wtdtpodcast.com. If you've been moved by this ministry through this episode or others, and you'd like to support us financially, you can become a patron. And if you do, you'll get early access to our episodes, discounts on our store, and access to our other podcasts a 40-day devotional podcast designed to kickstart your walk with God. We're calling it WTDT40. If this sounds like something you're interested in, or you just want to support in general, visit patreon.com forward slash WTDT to find out more. As always, please do subscribe, leave us a review, and follow our social media accounts on Instagram, Facebook, and now TikTok too. We'll see you on the next episode. Once again, I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That.